1: Fresh for everyone.
2: This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome to it folks another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers is underway. I'm Danny Burke your host and we are live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook here in Des Plaines, Illinois. A lot of action to look forward to. We already got some college football bowl games going on. I'm sweating out this Air Force game right now. Ended up jumping on it after Sean King was very convincing in his argument to side with Air Force and they're up by seven so we'll be sweating that one out through the show as well as some other plays and to help us get some of those Danielle Elvari will be one of the guests featured in the next hour host of the Los Angeles City cast Unfortunately, we were going to talk about her Bruins in the bowl game, but they opted out last second because of COVID-19 protocols, so it's a shame. But no need to fear. We still got plenty of L.A. to talk about with Danielle, with the Chargers, with the Rams. We've got some Lakers to discuss as well. Still, still a lot to hit with Danielle in 15 minutes. Then a half hour from now, we'll dive deeper into the college football bowl season with Thor Nystrom, senior content creator, over at NBC Sports Edge. And he's got a nice preview coming out with all the upcoming games through New Year's Eve. So we'll touch on some of the top ones with Thor at about 30 minutes. That's going to be coming up. And then at the end of the show, Danny's Dime. Speaking of college football, we've already had our play on Notre Dame from a while back. So we'll revisit that. But a couple more games I added For the college football bowl season that i wanted to discuss at the end of the show and i did play one nba game the lines kind of gotten out of touch now but we'll still discuss it a little bit to see if there's any value there or in another game so that'll be in 45 minutes as per usual with danny's dimes but it is tuesday so let's start out like we usually do on this day with teaser tuesday where we deliver potentially the best games to select for a teaser bet at rivers and there's look i mean some weeks it differs you get great games some other weeks eh, that's kind of a finite selection and It's kind of the latter for this week. But if you did know, as we always explained it, a teaser is a bet where you need at least two teams and it it allows you what it does to manipulate the line by about six, six and a half or seven points depending on what you choose. Standard teaser is six though. So typically, historically, the most viable selections are to do home favorites of just over seven, meaning minus seven and a half up to minus eight and a half. Tease them down by six, get you across in the key numbers of seven and three and then another good spot short home or road dogs catching plus one and a half to plus two and a half you simply tease them up by six cross the key numbers of three and seven in the other direction so what are some spots that i see as a viable teaser or just fit the bill for historically a successful teaser spot beginning with the colts and the raiders now we're not going to go too crazy about this game because a lot is up in the air we don't know the status of Carson Wentz officially. Now, if it was last week, he would be out, presumably. He's not vaccinated. But, you know, now they're changing the guidelines from ten days to five days. So I, I don't know. You gotta keep your you gotta keep your notifications alive for all of these apps to see the status of Carson Wentz. But it looks like back at our studios in Circa, the Circa Sportsbook has it at six right now. They were seven and a half before the Carson Wentz news. So regardless, if you're getting it like six or seven, still could be a solid teaser option for the Colts. And naturally, yes, this line is going to move because you're missing your starting quarterback. But when you look at a team like the Colts, how much does missing Carson Wentz affect this spread in your opinion? I know what the books are going to put him at is we're kind of already seeing a tease potentially, but this team revolves around Jonathan Taylor. That's evident. We all understand this, and we all understand how great of a coach Frank Wright is and how good this defense is can be especially against a Raiders team that yeah they got the job done last week and they've got the job done several times but they're still a pretty unreliable team so to me it revolves around the status of Jonathan Taylor more than it does with Carson Wentz so this still could be a solid teaser opportunity in my opinion Colts at home have been great they have an average winning margin of 15 at home and the Raiders have an average losing margin of 17 overall and 20 on the road Still with the Colts a little bit more so than the Raiders, regardless of the status of Carson Wentz. But we'll keep you updated on that if we hear anything throughout the course of the week. Not only here, but of course at Visa. Seahawks-Lions, this game we have a little bit more understanding of as of this point. Jared Goff should be back in the mix, and this Lions team has been gritty. But do you think they can keep it close against the Seahawks? Short answer, honestly, yes. With this number at seven, it makes sense to me why it's shaded that way if you're taking it, minus 113, to take the seven points with Detroit. If you want to lay it with the Seahawks, it's minus 108. I don't see how you could trust Seattle laying seven. It's against the Detroit Lions, yeah, but Detroit has been competitive. They want to play tough. Dan Campbell. This team can beat top teams. We have seen that happen against the Cardinals. We've seen them tie with Pittsburgh, and you saw them beat the Vikings, and the Seahawks, arguably worse than all of those teams. They just lost to Nick Foles and the Bears. They have nothing to play for. Nobody was in their stadium against the Bears, so who's going to show up And probably crappy weather against the Lions? Probably not that many people, but if you don't trust the Lions, you don't want to take the seven, you think the Seahawks are still talented and can get the job done, then he could tease them down to minus one. Look, that just means they have to win outright, and they've done that five times this season. They do have an average winning margin of 14 and 15 and a half at home. But again, I just, while it is a good teaser spot, teasing down, I just can't trust Seattle regardless. I think that Detroit, honestly, the best bet here would probably be to just take the seven points with the Lions. And you could go, well, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler log, they're all going to be ticked off. They just lost to the Bears. No, you would think they would have been ticked off after what happened against the Rams, both teams are on a short week, Chicago and Seattle. But at this point, it's just really where does the motivation lie? And the conversation is coming about how much does Russell Wilson have left? And I'm not saying he's bad or anything or on a you know terrible slope. But it's just been a tough year all around. And this team just is not consistent. And you can't trust laying a touchdown with them. Doesn't mean they can't win, but the better option would be to tease them down or simply I think you take the seven points with Detroit. But I had to throw that out there because it is potentially a good teaser spot. Let's talk about an NFC North matchup that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking to tease. And this was like last week with the Packers, America's teaser. That barely, barely came through for us. Winning by two, we had minus one and minus one in the hook. But in this situation, the Packers at Bet Rivers are laying six in the hook against Minnesota. So this thing, I believe, opened at about seven. So you saw a little bit of love go toward Minnesota, and I get it, it's a division game. They won the last time around, but to me, that's more of an argument to wanting to tease down Green Bay. Again, not laying the 6.5, but tease them down by 6 to where the Packers just need to win this game, which they have done in 12 spots this season. They got an average winning margin of 8.6 overall, 12 at Lambeau Field, and it's a revenge game for the previous loss against the Vikings. They're still vying for the top seed in the NFC with the Buccaneers on their heels. Uh, Who else, you got the Rams slowly coming up. Cardinals are kinda out of it right now, but the Packers are still fighting for that spot, so they gotta win this game. And the Vikings, yeah, they'll keep it close. They keep every game close, but the Packers might keep it close themselves like they did against the Browns. My goodness, what an unnecessary sweat going against Baker who had infinite picks. But the Packers should get the job done in this game. I know there's some issues with some players hopping on the COVID list, but at the end of the day, as long as Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are out there, I got faith in Green Bay winning this game outright. Now, the Vikings do have an average losing margin of 4.4 overall and 3.4 on the road. So, again, that's why I don't think you should rush to lay this with Green Bay. But if you want them to win, teasing them down should be your top option for that NFC North matchup. Now, before we move on to kind of a teaser exception, I guess you could say, even though it falls in line with the same thing as the Packers, I did want to bring up this Panthers and Saints game. There's no way in hell I'm touching this one. I don't know what to get out of any of the teams here, but I did just want to bring it up in the sense that you're getting a home favorite of over seven in the Saints for this spot. So you could tease down the Saints to minus one and a half. Against the Panthers, we got to see who's coming off the COVID list for the Saints. Presumably a majority of those guys, especially now considering the guidelines go from 10 days to five. And the Panthers are a complete mess. I know the Saints looked awful. Ian Book was atrocious, but... Look, the Panthers are pretty dang bad themselves. So I wouldn't do anything with laying the spread. I think as ugly as it seems, you take the points with the Panthers or you tease this game down. This should be, I was going to say, this game probably has the makings of a lower scoring affair, but the total's already pretty low at 38. Doesn't mean it still can't go under, but that could be an interesting route to take as well. Another NFC North team we got to talk about, and we did, you know, pun intended, tease this yesterday, talking about a teaser with the Bears and the Giants. This spread is at 6.5, has gone from 5.5 up to 6.5, the Bears and the Giants. Look, as gross as it seems to lay this high with the Bears, it would make sense to do it against the Giants, but why not have that extra padding, that extra security, and just tease down the Bears to winning this game? They have the momentum coming off that big win against Seattle. The players are still fighting out there. The referees ain't getting in the way. This team can make some things happen, especially against inferior teams like the Giants. This has been a game we've circled out as Bears fans from preseason going, yep, that's a dub. So, no, I don't want to lay six and a half with them, but I'll simply tease them down from minus six and a half to minus a half Bears, just go win the game against Mike Lennon or whoever the heck they got his quarterback, if it's Fromm or Glennon. It's a Mike Lennon revenge game, so that does scare me. It doesn't actually, if you think I'm not joking. But the Bears can just run David Montgomery two out of three times, and that can do enough to torch up this defense. If it's Nick Bowles, if it's Justin Fields, heck, if it's Andy Dalton, the Bears should still be able to get the job done against the Giants. So I've got no faith in New York as of this point. And as gross as it seems to trust the Bears, and laying a price or winning a game outright this is the game where you can trust them so with that being said in all these teasers i did make one teaser play and it's going to be the nfc north teaser baby teasing down the packers okay so they're minus six and a half you get them down to minus a half and then when i tease down the bears they're minus six so you know you took them down to a pick them but Naturally, the same thing is getting them down to a half point. The Bears are going to beat the Giants. Got to speak it into existence, baby. And it's a revenge game for the Packers against the Vikings, who tend to shoot themselves in their foot, Minnesota does, more than any other team. Yes, more than the Lions. They're more frustrating. Dan Leach and I, Dan Leach is a Lions fan, was agreeing with me, and by the way, we'll look to have him on later this week to preview his uh, Michigan Wolverines. Nevertheless, that's the teaser I'm going with, though. Trusting the NFC North squad, the Packers and the Bears, teasing them both down for our teaser play for NFL Week 17. More thoughts on the NFL coming up next. We'll take it out to the West Coast. Danielle Alvari, host of the Los Angeles CityCast, will talk all things Los Angeles with the Rams, Chargers, and don't forget the Lakers coming up next.
2: This is rush hour on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. You've got casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local Citycast wherever you get them available, and you get hooked up several episodes a week, solid local sports betting content. Welcome back to Rush Hour here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, and it is time to bring in a CityCast host of the Los Angeles CityCast, to be exact, and that's Danielle Alvari, at Danielle Alvari on the Twitter machine, and Danielle... Uh, I'm bummed about your Bruins. If you guys didn't know, her alma mater is UCLA, and the bowl game is not going to be played today, unfortunately. And, uh, Danielle, what what are the feelings out there on the West Coast? You know, obviously you want to see your team play, but maybe if they weren't going to have a tough game, what, what were you envisioning for this matchup?
1: Yeah. I mean, I still wanted to see it. I had some question marks and they were going to get to play, you know, arguably one of the best teams they saw this season. So it'd be interesting to see where they kind of landed. But unfortunately, before it even got canceled today, we knew that they were having COVID issues, uh, That especially as it pertained to their defensive line. They really only had two players available that were starting players for that. And so when I saw that even more tests came in, of course, they had to cancel it. But it was a bummer because I had the over for this because I assumed NC State, like a lot of teams this season, would be able to run all over the Bruins. They haven't figured. Out how to stop that, similar to another LA team, the Chargers. But yeah, I mean, it's tough because you want to for these kids to get to play the bowl game. A lot of these kids have never played one, including the starting quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson. They're heartbroken. I'm sure I don't understand these last minute cancellations. I'm trying to figure out how do we don't know these things until a couple hours before the game. And if I'm a person who traveled to San Diego to see this game, I'm probably pretty upset. But of course, we want to put safety first and health and, and all of those things first. But it is, it is definitely exasperating. And it's really, really hard to bet right now.
3: Yeah, it is, and that's why you just got to stay up to date as much as possible. And even then, like yourself, probably getting a great number on that total sometimes isn't good enough, and then they just go and cancel it. Then you're like, well, got a good number, and now they're not even playing the game. But that's the way it goes sometimes. You're right, safety first. And look, uh, again, you just really got to keep your eyes peeled to see where these games are going. It's hard to handicap, but it is what it is at this time of the year. Uh, Some games that we have a little bit more trust in coming to fruition as of this point, Danielle remain in the NFL now it may not be pretty with the rosters but we're still getting these games and the Rams and Ravens at least it looked like the Rams had a lot of their COVID issues in the past hopefully they can remain healthy for this one is there a three-and-a-half-point road favorite against Baltimore? This totals at 46-and-a-half. Danielle, I'm completely frustrated with Matt Stafford, luckily, and not to do the old fantasy football talk, but he got me like six points for my team and somehow mustered my way into the championship. But I bet his passing yards prop over two, and he had one of the worst games I've seen, yet somehow they beat the Vikings because the Vikings are the Vikings. Do you trust Stafford and company on the road to lay over three against the Ravens?
1: Well, it's funny because I actually do have Stafford on my fantasy team as well, but I did not make it to playoffs because um, <clears throat> I went to you know Mexico for a week and forgot about it. So <laughs> I'm not in playoffs, but Matt Stafford did great for me all season long uh, until, honestly, we hit that. Stretch where all of a sudden he had that kind of interception bug and it reared its ugly head last week three interceptions for him. It's really tough, right? Because we know that he's a gunslinger. He's he's getting all these passing yards records at this point. We know that he can pass it deep. In fact, he'd rather do that than even do some of his check downs. We've seen that and I think that is where he gets into trouble is he's too stubborn maybe is the correct word here to not just take those safer options he always wants to air it out and we love to see it and we know he's going to go to Cooper cup and somehow that connection is still working really strong so it's tough because betting on Matt Stafford when he's having this interception problem is pretty tough unless you're going to bet over his interceptions prop which I'm sure has a nice bit of juice on it but as far as the Rams are concerned on the road versus the Ravens the Lamar Jackson's obviously a big question here. This is the part of the season, too, where uh, we have to start thinking about how playoffs are factoring in, right? We know that uh, Los Angeles has clinched their berth, but they still kind of in this NFC playoff race. It'd be nice for them to get their playoff bye with two weeks left in the regular season. Obviously, the Ravens need a win in order to stay alive in the AFC North, uh, just in the wild card race, which is really heating up, too. So it's really tough to to kind of figure out how this is going to look when we don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson and we don't know which Matt Stafford we're going to get. We hope that that problem kind of corrects itself, but against this Ravens team, even a depleted one, I'd be a little bit nervous. I would look at the under, but because I don't know what's going on with Lamar and I don't know what's going on with the COVID list, I'll have to look at one closer to game time with the hook with Lamar and the on the road factor for the Rams. I would look at three and a half with the Ravens, but that's a lot of ifs.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. And that's the thing. Look, we could speculate at this point and take it because if Lamar's officially announcing, the line's going to be going down. But you got to be willing to be set in that spot and maybe be able to hedge off in a different way. But I'm with you, too. I think if i got to do anything at this point, you take three in the hook with the Ravens, who need to win these final games heading into potentially their postseason if they can make it. But that'll be a fun game to see on Sunday. Another now interesting matchup, I guess you could say, is the other L.A. team, the Chargers and Broncos. And I say now because we don't know what the heck to expect out of the Chargers. Danielle, I, I would say the Vikings are the most infuriating team, but the Chargers, Danny, are right there next to them. I mean, they just have all the talent in the world, and I love Brandon Staley and how aggressive he is. But how do you get blown out by the Texans in that game? It's just I I can't even fathom how that can even happen. Regardless of that, this line's at five and a half now against Denver. Total's at 45. What the heck do we do with this Chargers team?
1: I don't know, frankly, Danny. I was watching uh, the Rams more than I was worried about the Chargers because it was the Texans game, and I had the Chargers tied into not even a long teaser. I thought, hey, they'll cover four and a half. No, not the case. And it's weird because this line right before got up to 13 before game time. And then you have this no show on the defensive side of things. This is embarrassing. And it's a good point to the fact that if you looked at the offensive stats here, Justin Herbert still threw a bunch of yards, but you can't out offense this bad defense. And it's funny because I had a guest on the Los Angeles City cast last week, and I'm not going to name names. Uh, You can go listen to the pod and try to figure it out. But uh, he's like, hey, I'm going to take the Chargers to win, you know, the division. Or excuse me, the conference like, I'm gonna take him to win the conference at 16 to one at this point. It's gonna be great before this game. And I said, I don't trust this defense. And then we see this performance versus the Texans. So I don't know if it's because I've had to watch it every single week and really been zeroing in on these teams, but this defense has just not been up to par. We know that. And that's why for me, this was never gonna be a championship team this season until they figured out how to address this. They activated five people from the COVID list today and then they added four new players the big key factors for me here we need to get Joey bosa back austin eckler and Corey lindsley obviously those are the starters are worried about so if those people are back in the mix then we hope that we look a little bit better but again five off four on we don't really know what's going on who's on the field who's not and they certainly don't look like a team that can overcome the adversity of this situation like all the nfl teams are dealing with COVID positives right now and the chargers particularly did not handle it well last week so We saw what it looked like versus the Broncos last week or last time these two teams played and it was not pretty and the Broncos were able to run all over this team and I don't know how, I don't think the Chargers have done anything to address that.
3: And the thing is too, it would have been a great revenge angle here to back the Chargers if they would have just simply beat the Texans, but now you got to consider so many other things like how much can we actually trust this Los Angeles team? So you're right. I I don't know. Maybe it's just a wait and see approach so we don't get killed pre-flop and we look at the in-game betting angle, Danielle. But Hey, that, that could be the best way to go about it with the Chargers. And and you know what? It could be the best way to go about it in the NBA with your Lakers tonight taking on the Rockets. I know you love in-game betting them. They're laying six against the lowly Rockets. This total's at 225.5. Are you waiting for the in-game, or I, I don't know, what's your assessment of this matchup? you got to think the Lakers handle it, but do we actually trust them?
1: I'm absolutely waiting in game first of all and I'm also these are not my Lakers so do not claim them let's be clear there (laughs) because this is just not it's just you feel bad because it's affecting every team in every league right now but at the same time. The Lakers have just got nothing going on if they don't have LeBron and AD on the court together and AD is going to be out for four to six weeks minimum LeBron is day to day because he's literally carrying this team on his back Russell Westbrook oh we brought you here to help and what are you doing turning the ball over shooting threes like nobody's business and tons that don't go in so um, it was funny because you saw a lot after the Nets game of um, I feel like different networks kind of putting up oh. Is having a triple double necessarily a sign of a good game and you know that's pointed at Russell Westbrook because he's Mr. Triple double but it's been double trouble toil all of that for him lately and so he just hasn't been a help for them and so for me it has to be an in game for this the rockets are so terrible these are two bad teams i almost want to look at an over but 225 and a half is a little high for me so i might just see kind of how the pace of play looks in the game and see who we actually have playing of course but since the rockets are so bad offensively and defensively May look there and I'd love to get a better number on the Lakers because as your producer Britain actually before we got on air said undoubtedly the Lakers will fall behind early so possibly can get a better in game number on them.
3: That's the beauty of betting the NBA, and that's the beauty of keeping your eye on this Lakers team. Look, they may win. It's going to be ugly, but you could get a better number if you have a little bit of patience. So we'll look to do that tonight, Danielle. And thanks, as always, for making some time. And hopefully you're able to fill the void of your Brewers not playing tonight and go cash with an in-game on the Lakers.
1: Yeah, that's the plan.
3: Fade the Lakers. You got it. Danielle Elvari, folks, at Danielle Elvari on the tweets. Remember to catch her hosting the Los Angeles City Cast. Has great guests all week long, great segments getting you even more prepped for the Chargers and the Rams in their upcoming battles this week. All right, speaking of college football bowl games, let's talk about the remaining ones that are still going on, as of now at least, and to help us do that, Thor Nystrom, senior content creator over at NBC Sports Edge, will be joining us next. The biggest bowl games up until New Year's Eve. We'll hit that next. Hour on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off a VCEN All Access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. You get access to our in depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, which includes our exclusive betting split showing you where the money is going on every single game. So sign up today, and you'll also get our daily best bets emails, weekly betting guides, 24 7 video, plus our all new College Bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at slash subscribe. That's slash subscribe. Welcome back to it. The show is Rush Hour here on the Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Five. Where you can catch me on Twitter. Time to talk some college football bowl action. And joining us now to help us unravel all of that is Thor Nyström at Thorku on Twitter. Senior content creator at NBC Sports Edge. And if you want all of his in-depth preview and analysis on the upcoming bowl games through New Year's Eve, check out his Twitter again at Thorku on the tweets. He's got it pinned, and you can get. More of that really dissection nice of all the games. And we'll do a little bit here. So, Thor, thank you for making some time. I know you're busy during this time, especially with all the games being canceled left and right and keeping an eye on which player is going in and which isn't. But we got a couple games still to look forward to tonight that are still ongoing as of this moment. Tell us your thoughts on Mississippi State and Texas Tech. This line seems to keep moving in favor of Mississippi State. Now 10 and a half. This totals at 58. What really stood out to you for this game?
2: Yeah, so we got the Mike Leach ball here, obviously. You know, Mike Leach going up against his former team. Um, w- what's interesting about this line finishing at Mississippi State minus 10.5 is that's exactly, exactly what my adjusted line is on that game. So it's not a surprise to me that it got there. Um, I would also tell people there's not a ton of value on this game because of that. Um, in in um, You know, like but before Mississippi State lost, Charles Cross, their their star left tackle, who's going to be a first-round pick. And then Emerson there, uh, a star cornerback, who also might be a first-round pick. They, you know, they, um, I, I would have had that line lower, maybe about eight. But, um, um, but then you you factor in the Mike Leach factor going against his former school. He's, he's talked about how they owe him money, how he's going to be fighting them for every hit. He, he hates them, et cetera, et cetera. And, and also the coaching edge. It, just as far as experience goes, him against an interim staff. That's why I toggled that line up a little bit. So th- those are the factors.
3: Yeah, and, and honestly, too, the bowl season really is kind of a narrative-driven betting angle. Not for all of them, naturally, but I think that's those are some games you want to seek out. For example, Notre Dame is kind of one that I'm looking at that so they could rally around their new coach. Stuff like that. And the Mike Leach revenge angle is going to be huge and probably a big reason why you've seen this line go up to 10.5. Because even if they're winning, I'm sure he will keep his foot on the pedal. So a big spread, but maybe rightfully so in that matchup later tonight. Another game to look forward to at about 9.15 p.m. Central Time. This game, Thor, I've kept my eye on really leading up to this game, and I haven't placed it because I'm just not fully there and trusting Minnesota. But it seems like a lot of betters are because this line is now up to six. Totals at and a half. I know Minnesota can be gritty, and I want to trust P.J. Fleck, roll the boat, all of that. But they've also had some egregious defeats this season, so I'm not all in on them. Maybe I'll wait in-game. Who do you trust a little bit more so with the spread
2: at six? They definitely have Bowling Green being you know the, the, the huge example of that as far, as far as Minnesota goes. Not a surprise to me that it's gotten up to six. My adjusted line on that game is Minnesota by 8.8. One of the reasons why is West Virginia is missing their, their best, certainly their best offensive player, and one of their best players, period, and Letty Brown, the running back, their offense, it's predicated on explosive runs. The, the only thing that they can do passing-wise with Jared Daggy, it's sideline-to-sideline side stuff. It's all manufactured stuff. its You have the spread system, and then you're hoping that Letty hits a couple home runs, you know, and then you just get the singles outside of that. Without Letty Brown, that's my big concern there because West Virginia's offense already ranked in the 70s. So that offense is going to be even worse in this game. Minnesota defense is the best thing that they do. Meanwhile, as far as like when the Gophers have the ball, it's just going to be grinding the clock down, um, you know, and, and and that should be good enough in this game to win because West Virginia, especially without Letty Brown, just is not a very good team.
3: All right. So we're trusting the Gophers here. All right. I'll, I'll look to, uh, to back and i here, maybe wait for a little bit better line, but I'm with their line of thinking there makes sense to me. Tell us about another Big Ten team, though, Maryland and Virginia Tech. Maryland can have great offense. Sometimes they falter, but against Virginia Tech, maybe you'll see it in the drive bowl. They're three-and-a-half-point favorite, total at 54 and What did you think about this game for tomorrow?
2: It's a game where it, the, the line would have been totally different during the regular season before a bunch of this stuff happened. But, you know, obviously Puente got fired for, from Virginia Tech. You have the interim staff, and, and you did at the end of the regular season as well. But the bigger issue for them is all the defections as far as their personnel goes. They have like five different starters who are just just left, just opted out for the NFL draft. Uh, Trey Turner, wide receiver. You have an edge rusher. You have a starting cornerback. You have another, um, or you have a defensive tackle. You have another uh, starting uh, wide receiver that's in the transfer portal. And then not only that, Virginia Tech's down to their third string quarterback in this game because their backup decided he was going to transfer. And then Braxton Burmeister, the starter uh, during the regular season, he also decided he was going to transfer, but Burmeester wanted to play in this game, and the interim coaching staff denied him because he, he was entering the transfer portal. He could have played in it, but they said no. So they're going down to their third-string quarterback, Connor Blumreck. He, he's a run-only guy. So Virginia Tech will not be able to throw in this game, um, which is unfortunate because Maryland has a really bad passing defense. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, the Terps' offense is the best thing that's going to you know be on the field for either, either team there. So I'm happy to lay the three-and-a-half.
3: All right, let's talk about the Cheez-It Bowl. This one I really didn't like too much, but now I'm getting a little bit more confidence and maybe back in Clemson here. This line has really moved in favor of Clemson in the last 24 hours. Now they're laying two in the hook. His total's at 44. We know Brees Hall is going to be absent in this game, and Clemson still has a sound defense. I guess, Lord, the thing that's a little bit concerning is that... You know that Campbell's going to have his guys ready to go. Dabo Sweeney has not done that really consistently this season. He's been all over the place, you know, concerned about a lot of other things, and Clemson's really been up in the air. But do they show up for this game against the Cyclones?
2: I think that they do Um, the 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 concern is that both of Clemson's coordinators left and and so you're you're sort of concerned about that you know whenever that happens with any school but Dabo always promotes from within he's done so again so the the play calling should be mostly uh, you know sort of within the same vein there Um, and then as far as just the on field stuff. Um, Clemson, they lost a couple of receivers, Justin Ross and Frank Ladson, but they already had one of the FBS's very worst passing offenses, so you can't really deduct anything from them you know, on the spread from a handicapping perspective before the game because they don't have any value in that, that phase of the game anyway. Brees Hall is one of the most valuable players to his offense of any non-quarterback in the entire nation. Um, it, iowa state is going to have to completely change the way that they play offense because he's not there and then they have two wide receivers two prominent wide receivers that are also in the transfer portal and so you go from having this you know run first run second type grinded out offense where they have the two tight ends that play all the time um that where, where now you're going to go you have your backup uh, running back and then you have brock Purdy, who is very very badly stretched he's anything but a game manager and in this game he's going to have to be more than a game manager because you're facing the number three defense sp plus in the nation in clemson clemson also has a top five sp plus special teams unit so they're going to be winning the field uh the, the field position game as well i like clemson in this game because i think their offense it they're not going to be able to throw the ball because they stink of throwing the ball but they will be able to grind out yards with will shipley and kobe pace on the ground you know as well as Uagalele outside of the pocket i think that's going to be the only offense that we see generated in that game
3: all right, Thor, we got about 90 seconds remaining. Got to hit on the Alamo Bowl because Oklahoma's up to a seven-point favorite. Stoops coming in here in Oregon, a team that's going to be missing some players. Or you know, They played higher than they really were in terms of their competition and skill level. And I don't know, in this game, it just seems like Oklahoma may be a little bit more trustworthy with more of a revenge angle. Just the narrative, we talked about it with Lincoln Riley leaving. Oklahoma wants to stick it to him and probably dominate this game.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I, I think so. And, and we remember last year where Oklahoma dominated that decimated Florida team in the bowl season. And what's funny in this game is both of the teams are decimated. It's not just, you know, Oklahoma's opponent, but it's also Oklahoma. You know, I mean, o- Oregon has Kayvon Thibodeau is out and they have four or five other starters that also opted out. And obviously their coaching staff left were greener pastures um, as well. You mentioned that Lincoln Riley did, did, did as well. Oklahoma has about the same amount of starters uh, that opted out. They all came on defense, the way that I see this this game, uh, super simplistic handicap for everyone out there, is I, I think the defections on both sides more or less negate each other because you just have s- so many. I think the defenses are just about the same, you know, if you're going to peg them heading in. Special teams as well, you probably toss those in. Where, where both those things. They, they negate each other. The reason that I like Oklahoma, it's the offense against the offense. You have Caleb Williams on the one side, and we, we know that they're going to put up points. Um, and, and Oklahoma did not have many defections on offense from from uh, the opt-outs. It, that was on defense. Right. Whereas with Oregon, they don't have C.J. Burdell. He got injured in the Stanford game. He, he's been out for a long time. And Anthony Brown struggled to throw the ball all year. I like Oklahoma in this game.
3: I'm with you. I think the Sooners are the right play. And I think if you do a little bit of searching, might find a 6.5 out there. If not, the right at 7 here at Bat Rivers. Hey, Thor, we are up against it. Can talk college football bowl games all night long with you, but I know you're a busy man as well. We'll look forward to the rest of your preview. Remember to check it out on his Twitter at ThorKU on the tweet, and he'll give you more in-depth previews for the games around New Year's Eve. Thor, thank you as always, and best of luck with those plays. Appreciate you, brother. You bet. All righty. Coming up next, we're giving some more bets on the College Football Bowl action and a play in the association. Stick around. That's going to be coming up as we wrap up another edition of Brush Hour.
2: This is Rush Hour on v the Sports
3: Betting Network. BetRivers Sportsbook takes football same-game parlays to a whole other level, because now you can combine same-game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. And in addition to that, BetRivers has added more and more same-game parlay props for college football matchups just in time or the biggest games of the season. So download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combination. Must be 21, gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. 1-888-532-3500. In Virginia, Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. playable in New Jersey, has played Sugarhouse. Void, where prohibited. Okay, it is that time, folks. Final segment here on Rush Hour, which means I'm going to be dishing out my best bets not only for tonight, but for the next couple of days or week, whatever you want to call it when the games are ongoing for the bowl action. But let's jump into it here on Rush Hour. Danny's Dimes coming your way. My best bets for the evening. Kicking it off on the Hardwood NBA back in action for us, baby. Haven't had an NBA play in a little bit of time, so looking forward to the game tonight and where I am honing in on. It's going to be with the Raptors and the 76ers now full disclosure the numbers kind of gotten out of hand in terms of the total so I bet this thing over 212 and a half this number's just been going up and up all day and it even I think went to like 216 but now it's gotten a little bit more realistic at 215 and it's shaded to the under minus 113 so either shop around a little bit have some patience, and maybe you get a little bit better number. I'd probably play it, like, up to 214 if you really still want to get involved. But a great a great tool, really, that VEASAN offers. You get to see these official stats in terms of their over-under profits, and looks like there's some decent over for this game that's not a sole basis for handicapping. It's just an added incentive to maybe look in this direction. But realistically, both of these teams – when you look at their defensive efficiency, not that great. They're both at about 107. When you look at Hollinger's stats at ESPN, Philly's a little bit over 107 for both offense and defense, and Toronto is virtually right there as well. So when I had it at least at 212 and a half, Philly has gone over this 16 times this season as has Toronto, 16 out of 30 games, a majority for the Raptors. The last three games, the Raptors, we know, have been a depleted team with COVID, but here are the scores from the last three games the Raptors have been involved in. 131 to 129, 119 to 100, 144 to 99. Defense has been optional and refused in all of these games from Toronto. So that's why a big part you have seen this number creep up. So, again, if you don't want to miss the boat completely with the number at 215, you still got, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes till tip-off. Wait to see if it gets down to, like, 214 or so. Or simply wait for the in-game betting. If it starts off slow, if there's a lull in the pace of this game at any given moment, you can probably get a better number. So, again, I played it at 2:12 and a half, looking to bet the over. If it gets, like, 214, I would still recommend that for the Raptors and the Sixers. But thinking that game has a high chance of being a really high-scoring affair. And if you wanted to get involved in another total, I considered playing this, but I didn't really want to go into the 220s. Thunder and Kings, a lot of movement on the total going to the over in that one, too. So if you wanted another option, maybe consider that for the NBA. Let's talk college football, though. Just to recap a play, really the one play I've made in college football in terms of giving out an official bet has been Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. So just wanted to revisit that in case you missed it or were waiting to bet it. I played Notre Dame on the money line against Oklahoma State, minus buck thirty. This line's been kind of fun to track in terms of when it's been going back and forth for or against Notre Dame so to me it's the angle of trusting the new coach in Notre Dame it's a narrative bowl game here Notre Dame looking to put out for their new coach and say you know what Brian Kelly who needs you buddy and they want to rally for their new guy coming into the mix and also you look at Oklahoma State this team going in potentially the college football playoff blew their chances and had four opportunities to do so That was their Super Bowl. They could have reached potentially their peak, and now they faltered as of that point. So they got to get up and no knock on the Fiesta Bowl, but it's not the college football playoff, that's for sure. So Oklahoma State, to me, doesn't have as much incentive to get back up, practice for however many weeks, and try to win a game that, yeah, would be great, but not as great as getting to the playoffs. And Notre Dame, on the other side, still has a lot to prove, being in no conference, having their coach depart, and feeling like they've been betrayed, Yes, you're missing a top running back and defensive player in the secondary for Notre Dame. But again, this is a narrative-driven game to me, and I think Notre Dame is the right angle. They're currently minus a buck thirty-nine on the money line. I would still play that, trusting the Fighting Irish in this game to rally around their new coach against Oklahoma State, who really reached their peak and now does not have, in my opinion, assuming the motivation to get out for this game as much as Notre Dame. So play Notre Dame on the money line in the Fiesta Bowl. Let's talk Orange Bowl next. Now, this game, I actually bet this earlier, maybe like a week or two ago, but I did just want to officially throw that out there because I was waiting to see where this line was going in terms of the total, rather. And 44 at Bet Rivers is the number I played. So 44 and a half seems to be the consensus, but I laid like minus 118 to get it on 44 flat. So I was willing to do that. Would still play it over 44 and a half if that's your only option. Look, I mean, both offenses, Georgia's averaging 39 points per game. Michigan's averaging 38. But they have great defenses. We understand this. Georgia's allowing less than 10 points per game to their opponents. Michigan is allowing 16 points per game. It's one of those things where your first thought would be, oh, two great defenses. It has to go under. But I think we're getting a good enough number on this total to play this thing over. It's a bowl game. You could throw a lot of things out the window. And having a trustworthy defense against an out-of-conference opponent and a dominant one at that could be a major thing to throw out of the window here. If we put this total of 44 and we apply the over-under record for each team, meaning if Georgia had a total of 44 in every game, they would have gone over this mark in 8 out of 13 games. Same for Michigan okay so i think this could be a game solely based i'm not going to say it's going to go to like 60 points but it's at 44 and a half right in that area the number seems to be going up in a lot of spots like 45 even saw 45 and a half i think it's better to jump on this sooner rather than later you're thinking there's going to be defense but a lot of times when you're certain one thing's going to happen usually happens the opposite in sports betting but truthfully i think there's enough offensive dominance in this game to to overcome the defenses which have been so reliable this season. So look for the Orange Bowl. Georgia and Michigan over 44, minus 118. I laid a little bit more to get in 44. Again, would still just play at 44 and a half if that's where you're looking at it. Another play that I would make here or have made, and it's a popular play as of late because of all the absences, is a Rose Bowl. Utah and Ohio State. Bet Rivers had the best number still available in this game at five. I know some places you're seeing like four, four and a half, but Bet Rivers still has five. And I took that with Utah in this game. Now, Ohio State, they're going to be missing their top wide receivers. No Garrett Wilson, no Chris Olave in this game. They're also missing a top offensive lineman and D-lineman to uh, Haskell Garrett on the defensive front. So, Ohio State, their goal was what? Every year to win the national championship. That's every team's goal. But for a realistic goal, that is for a team like Ohio State, where you look at Utah, you know, let's win the Pac-12 and see what we can do from there. Everybody is going to look to overcome Ohio State in this game. Like, this is Utah's Super Bowl here. And Jeff Schwartz, who comes on Visa a lot, I saw a tweet he had, he's a big Pac-12 guy. He was saying, you know, Utah's already got all their tickets sold out. The guys on the team are ready to go. They are looking at this as their Super Bowl. So you factor all of that in Utah, a very prideful team against Ohio State, that, yeah, they have pride themselves, we know that, but maybe not for the Rose Bowl as much as trying to get into the college football playoff. And even aside from all of that, I was waiting for Ohio State to be a team that we could rely on to get to the college football playoff, but it never really came to fruition. They had some blunders, and they've had some games that they've won, but really weren't that dominant as they should have been. And now you're missing two of your top offensive threats, both a couple of guys on each side of the line and even then some. You're giving me points with Utah, a team. We look at narrative. They're going to be looking to put everything into this game this, the Rose Bowl, is probably exceeding expectations for them, truthfully, coming into this season. So taking the five points, best number still out there at Pet Rivers, I think is the right play. So I'm grabbing the five with Utah against Ohio State for my final college football play. Might add some later in the week, but as for tonight, Utah plus five, the final play. The other one I did, Georgia-Michigan over 44 at minus 118 at Bet Rivers. Then Notre Dame on the money line, minus a buck 30 versus oklahoma state and then we had the play in the nba 76ers raptors over 212 and a half this thing has soared up to 215 maybe have a little bit of patience see if it comes down to like 214 shop around wait for an in-game perspective something to get a better number because i think that game could be high flying in terms of the points then we can't forget our teaser it is tuesday so we started off with teaser tuesday Did the nfc north teaser actually trusting the chicago bears look they beat the seahawks You get a terrible Giants team coming to town. Don't want to lay the price with the Bears. So I'm just going to simply tease them down so they win the thing outright and pair that with the Packers. So the NFC North teaser getting the Packers down by a six-point teaser and the Bears hoping both teams can get those dubs and we can get some nice teasers like we did this past week but looking forward to NFL week 17 so we'll preview more of that throughout the week and hopefully some more hockey now that we're back in the mix we'll get a bigger schedule presumably coming up and in the NBA so that'll all be coming tomorrow thank you as always for tuning in to another edition of Rush Hour best of luck and take care